0: Good evening, Gospel Baptist. So glad you tuned in for another Wednesday night. Uh, It's always good to come together and study God's Word. I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then we'll begin in Mark chapter two, beginning with verse one. Father, as we come before you, open our eyes and our minds and our hearts uh, to you. Holy Spirit, teach us as only you can. Holy Spirit, make the Word come alive for us, send it forth in power. Um, And in truth, uh, Lord, have us uh, have hearts that are willing to surrender to you and minds that understand you and eyes that see you and ears that hear you. And Father, as you do these things for us, we'll be grateful to give you and you alone the praise in Christ's name. Amen. Say we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And the title of the message is very simple. Bring them to Jesus. Uh, It's just a very simple message. And so I want to begin with Mark chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to go through verse 12. It's one of my favorite uh, stories in the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, because not only do we see all the different things happen, we see how Jesus responds to something that's odd and interrupts what he's doing. And again, he entered Capernaum. And after some days, it was heard he was in the house. And immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when he had, when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven you and some of the scribes are sitting there and reasoning in their hearts why does this man speak blasphemies like this who can forgive sins but god alone and immediately when jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves he said to them why do you reason about these things in your hearts which is easier to say to the paralytic your sins are forgiven you or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Uh, Jesus uh, in his public ministry, did basically three things. He went about preaching the kingdom of God, teaching in their synagogues, and healing their diseases. In other words, he he, he preached, he he taught, and he performed miracles. In Luke 18 through 19, when he was in Nazareth, it says, beginning with verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to bring liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 3 through 5, John the Baptist has sent some of his disciples. And it says, beginning in verse 2, and when John... uh, Heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me now i think jesus did these things because it was all prophesied that the messiah would do these things i think they had a warped vision of what the messiah was and so he fulfilled the scriptures because all these things the preaching the teaching the healing the miracles were prophesied that the messiah of god would do exactly those things and it was necessary that he did them and so his miracles really gave evidence that he was the one, they didn't have to look for another. He was the Messiah. His teaching did the same thing. Make no mistake about it, even though they put him on a cross, the Pharisees and the scribes or religious leaders knew exactly who Jesus claimed to be, the Son of God, and his words and his deeds and his teaching and his miracles proved he was the Son of God, all right? Now, it was for the purpose, really, of making people whole. Everything he did. And that leads me to really our thesis statement for these few verses is that Jesus makes life whole. Do we understand that? We bring people to Jesus because Jesus makes life whole. Whole there doesn't just mean an absence of conflict. It means that that there's somebody to go through with the contact. It means putting things back together. It means maybe understanding things. It means having power to endure things. And we need to understand that, is that there was no one uh, in life that could make people whole except Jesus. And I want to look at one life that he made whole. And what he's doing there is that some guys are going to come bringing a paralytic, okay? And uh, the paralytic couldn't get near because of the crowd. We have to be careful that we're not keeping people from Jesus. But in that day, they built the houses and they sort of had a flat top on them and they would cover it with straw or with tiles and and they would make it waterproof and oftentimes it served as an extra room and there was always a, a ladder or a walkway up to the back and they might go up there and have their prayer time. They might go up there in the cool of the evening and watch the sunset or look at the neighborhood. They might go up there occasionally and have meals. And just as a family, it's just an extra room to get away from the animals and other things that often came in at night into the house. And these guys literally interrupted the worship service where he's preaching the word of God to the crowds, to the Pharisees, to the scribes. And they did so by tearing up the roof and they tore a big enough hole that they had ropes or rags, whatever they lowered this guy. They carried him on a bed to Jesus and they lowered him on the bed in front of Jesus. Okay? And so, two or three things about that. I think these guys knew that Jesus made life whole and so the first thing is this we need to remember we need to bring people to Jesus we need to bring people to Jesus it's not only one of our purpose it's the priority of our purpose in Luke 19 10 Jesus said I've come to seek and to save that which is lost and that's the first reason we need to bring people point A we need to bring people to Jesus because of people's lost condition we need to remember, what are people without Jesus? Lost. Lost, away from God, not a member of the kingdom, uh, headed for hell, not saved. They're lost. They're wandering around in spiritual darkness. I don't know about you, but it's hard to find anywhere in the dark. And that's where they are. And it should be our priority to bring people to Jesus because they're lost condition. Um, uh, the lost condition of folks. Jesus emphasized that in the three parables he told in Luke 15. Is the parable of the lost coin. If she searched the and she found one and had great rejoicing and had her friends come in because she found that lost coin. The parable of the shepherd who had 99 sheep there and one strayed and he went out and sought the one and left the 99 and brought it back and had a big party. And then the parable of the lost son. We call it the prodigal son. And when he came home finally he came to his senses. That means he was out of his mind in sin. That's the condition of lost people. They're not whom God intended them to be. Before we came to Jesus, we were not a part of God's family. We were not whom God intended us to be. We're in our right minds. We're where God has us to be when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we need to remember that people without Jesus are lost, without hope. And that's why they need to know jesus Why we need to bring them to jesus the second reason point b why we need to bring people to jesus is because of our love for them that should motivate us to bring people to jesus we need to examine our hearts by way of application and say do we really love lost folks when was the last time we cried and wept over lost folks now i mean not just those that are family members or good friends or even people we work with. People that are just lost. That we meet and we encounter. they may shock us. We may wonder why they act that way. That shouldn't shock us. They don't know Jesus. How else are they supposed to act? They're in their sins. Unforgiven. Because we love them and we don't want them to experience a place called hell, we should bring people to Jesus. But not just that. Point two is this. We need to bring all the people to Jesus. He said, these guys approached that front door and it was too crowded to get in. Think about it. There are the sick, the lame, the blind. They're all there wanting to visit with Jesus. You have the Pharisees and the scribes there that are checking up on his teaching. You have the community itself that have come out to hear the great teacher, wanting to hear something special from God's word. And then you have these four guys bringing this paralytic. He cannot move. All right? Unless somebody helps him, there's no way for him to get to Jesus. But it emphasizes we're supposed to bring all people to Jesus. This crowd represents all different stratas in Jewish society. The down and out, the up and coming, the religious uh, stalwarts, the pillars of the community. He represented those who were ordinary folks making a living, moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandparents. All there to see and hear Jesus. And we're supposed to bring everybody to Jesus. They come bringing to Jesus. Now the easiest excuse would have been, oh, we can't get to the door. We can't get in to see Jesus. We'll come back at a better time. Uh, maybe there was a, another excuse. Oh, somebody else will help him. Uh, you know, we'll just let somebody else do it tomorrow. Or maybe there's the excuse that nobody wants to to own up to about bringing everyone to Jesus, all the people. And that is this excuse. They're just really not our kind of people, Brother Gary. They just wouldn't quite fit in here. And I've never understand or understood what not our kind of people means. Are they too rich for us? Are they too poor for us? Too smart for us? Too uneducated for us? Uh, too well dressed, too underdressed. Uh, they don't speak the way we speak. They don't like the food we like. Uh, they don't like the music we like. What does it mean they're not our kind of people? I've actually had what I considered good church members tell me that kind of thing before, and it upsets me to no end to hear it because what does that mean? Think about it. Here's a guy that can do nothing, quote unquote, nothing the kingdom of God he is paralyzed what's he going to do for Jesus and the kingdom he's trying to usher in what's he going to do for the band of 12 and the followers of Jesus he can't move he's paralyzed he can't walk he earns his living by begging or from the people like his friends who obviously carried him to Jesus but do you remember a little verse called John three sixteen? God so loved the world. That pretty well includes everybody, doesn't it? That he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, his only well-loved son, the only one of a kind, that whosoever. Doesn't that mean everyone or anyone that will come in repentance? There's no such thing for a Christian. It's not our kind of people. We were all not God's kind of people until he saved us and adopted us into the family. Do we understand that? Whosoever, not just the educated, the wealthy, the up-and-comers, the young, the fit, the movers and shakers, not those just like us. If you look around our church, and if you're honest, you'll see a bunch of folks that are really different. I mean, it is hilarious how God put us as a body of believers together because He put just what He knew we needed in the body. But guess what? That's not my decision. That's not your decision. That's not anybody's decision, but God's. He gives us what we need, and we're supposed to reach out to all kinds of folks. So, what did we say? We need to bring people to Jesus, but not only that, we need to bring all different kinds of people to Jesus. And the third point, listen closely, we need to bring all kinds of folks to Jesus by any means possible. We need to bring all kinds of folks to Jesus by any means possible. Now how creative were these guys? They didn't let a little thing like can't get in the door, can't see Jesus interfere with their plans. They were creative enough. They looked up. They knew what was on the roof. They walked around to the back or the side of the house. They crawled up the stairs. What are we going to do now? Let's tear a hole. Well, we'll have to fix that hole. It'll cost us some money and we'll have to do it ourselves. So what? He's got to have Jesus. Jesus can make him walk. Jesus can make his life whole. Think of the difference in the life of this guy who can do nothing for himself, paralyzed as he was, depending on the uh, kindness of others to eat, depending on people just to carry him wherever he goes. And if Jesus can heal him, his whole life is changed. He has a wholeness of life. They think physically, but Jesus is going to do it spiritually also. So they get creative. Any means possible. Can you imagine going up on somebody's house that you don't know, going on top of the roof, you know, worried about interfering with Jesus and what he was doing with the religious leaders and what they would think, they weren't worried about being sanctioned or called religious nuts and they're ripping the roof off the house. Can you imagine being in there and Jesus is trying to teach the word of God to preach to these folks and... Stuff begins to fall. Little pieces of dirt and little pieces of straw and mud, and maybe some tiles. And everybody's he's losing the crowd because everybody's looking up and saying, What in the world is going on? And then they see a face looking through and smile at them. And then the hole gets bigger. And suddenly they lower this guy on this bed right in front of Jesus. Holy cow. Any means possible. Now, Here's what that means. It doesn't mean I'm going to do unbiblical things. It doesn't mean I'm going to do ungodly things or immoral things. But it means that I have to learn new things. Praise God for Brother Galen. He's young enough that he reminds me that old dogs need to learn new tricks. And that's the truth. Praise God for my kids that are Brother Galen's age and they remind me of the things that they're interested in, the things that they like so that I know that the next generation is reachable if we change. Change is not a dirty word. I guarantee you when a a baby messes his diaper, you want the baby changed. It's not a dirty word, it's a clean word. Change. Do we understand that? Do we understand that sometimes it takes a little bit different kinds of music than we like? I'm not saying I'm going to do away with the music. Hear me. I want the hymns, but, you know, we can change it up. We can listen to rock and roll or country or heavy metal or something in specials to draw more people. Because everybody's heart is attuned to a different song, a different kind of music and lifts us up and lets us worship. And sometimes we do that, sometimes it it demands that I'm going to change some of my teaching styles. Do we understand that? Sometimes it means that we'll have to try different different ministries, different uh, uh, programs, different Bible studies in different places to reach the people God wants reach, which is all the people that we can reach in our communities. Do we understand that? The best thing that could happen to our church if we could reach uh, the Hispanics, uh, the African-Americans, the Asians in our community, and all come together and worship as God's family. So it'd be a true picture of what heaven's supposed to look like and gonna look like. The old and the young, intergenerational, helping one another. So, uh, we need to bring People to Jesus, we need to bring all the people to Jesus. We need to bring all the people to Jesus by any means. And we need to bring all the people to Jesus by any means possible so they can be made whole. This is so important here. He he looks up. Jesus does. In verse 5, as they're lowering the guy down from the roof. Jesus saw their faith. I don't mean the guy's faith. He can't really, you know, he may be able to lean over that bed. I don't know how big the 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 He was on and they carried him on. But he looks up and sees the guys that had carried him there, looking through, smiling at Jesus. Here's our buddy. You gotta help this guy. We brought him because we know only you can help. And he sees their faith. And he says, not rise up and walk. First he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Wholeness. Wholeness of life. Made right with God the Father by Jesus Christ the Son. And then the scribes and Pharisees are saying, oh, he's blaspheming, only God can forgive sins, and he turns around their thoughts to prove something. He says, so that you may know the Son of Man, his favorite designation for himself, Jesus' favorite designation, I am the Son of Man, has the power and earth to forgive sons. I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and walk. And the guy gets up, gathers the stuff, and walks out in the presence of them all. Oh, my goodness. Verse 12 is one of the keys also. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this in church before. And if we'll do these things, if we'll bring people to Jesus, if we'll bring all the people to Jesus, if we'll bring them by any means possible, if we'll bring them knowing that God can make them all, praying for God's will to be done in their life, and let me assure you, God's will is for people to be saved, if they will, then we're going to be amazed at what God does in our presence, through the ministries, in our church, through even using us to do it. Amazing! And we'll see things that we never thought we'd see before. People who might have been in the community for years and years and years and never repented are gonna be saved. The young people are gonna flock to the church. Old people are gonna be rejoicing that their grandkids are being saved. Aunts and uncles are gonna join families together at our church. Is that what you want? It's what I want. But it starts with realizing Jesus makes life whole. The application for us is simple. If we know that, we need to pray for lives by name to be made whole. That they'll be saved by the glory of God. That their families will be saved. That that they'll join the church. That they'll be a part of the fellowship. That they'll grow in Christ. That they'll serve in the community and share with others that their lives are made whole. And that doesn't take a lot of seasoning. The best witness is the one who still has the newness of the Holy Spirit in their lives and the fire of God, that though being a sinner, grace saved them through faith in Jesus Christ. And sometimes, if we've been a Christian for 40 years, 50 years, or longer, we might lose a little bit of that because life is hard. And maybe we've toned it down a little bit because it's somebody else's turn. But it's not somebody else's turn. It's our turn to be counted on by God to realize Jesus makes life whole. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for this little brief study and this passage of Scripture. And Father, like the guys that brought the paralyzed man, help us to see those who need to come to Jesus. Help us to bring them in as the song sings. Bring them in. Bring them in to be freed from the power of sin. Lord, you do that. You're the only person who can save folks. Lay them on our hearts. Let us be um, willing to be used by you to do exactly that. Let us bring them to Jesus. And Lord, you make them whole. And just amaze us that you're in our presence working. In Christ's name. Amen. Have a good evening. We'll see you next time.